Right. Thanks again, Miri, for uh, livening our spirits. Um, uh, Matt Chin's going to play an audio clip for us. So uh, two questions. Um, who do you think this composer is? And second, what does what is the tenor? What is the 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 is it? What do you think? What kind of emotions does the audio evoke? Well, we'll we'll pause it there. And uh, so either by chat or by uh, verbal, who's the uh, composer? David says Handel, who else? Baha, Moza, okay. Peter knows, how does Hanfei know that Peter knows? Thanks, Tony. Go eat some ice cream. Mendelssohn. That's not bad. Not that I know what Mendelssohn sounds like. He said Peter would know because only people who play violin would know. I don't know. Okay. Peter, give us a guess. I would have guessed the same as uh, Dave Chang. Handel. Wow. Hanfei, you're smart because Peter got it right and Dave Chang got it right. It's Handel. Anybody know the particular name of this piece? It's based on Psalm 95, our text, but Andrew said that completely different era. What does that mean? It's mid-18th century. It's the... <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> it's a Chandos, C-H-A-N-D-O-S, anthem number six um, by Handel. So um, it's titled, O Come, Let Us Sing Unto the Lord, apparently in the mid 18th century. Uh, he was, uh, Handel was a composer in residence at uh, Cannons in Middlesex, and the person who owned the house was uh, the Duke of Chandos. Uh, anyway, uh, other than other than Tony, who was, fell asleep. Whoa, nice guys. Oh, Matt just put that up for us. Um, okay, so uh, what? Other than sleepiness, what else? Uh, you, you more cultured people, like maybe the Ben and Jerry fans, what would you say about this hymn, about this uh, anthem? <laughs> Serenity, ballroom dance, serene, regal. Oh, I like that. Majestic? Pineapple sherbet lady says majestic, huh? Formulaic. I read that as romantic at first, but formulaic. Not a fan, huh, Miri? No, that was Andrew. Sorry. I know. Yeah. It's a high volume business. You just have to make a lot of music. Okay. Uh, can I use the word invitatory? <laughs> I-N-V-I-T-A-T-O-T-O-R-Y. For me, it was kind of like, he was trying to move us along, right? So it wasn't just kind of like, sit here and listen to this. It's almost like kind of stand up and get to the next stage. I almost felt like there's kind of like some action here, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like an urgent one, but it was like, don't you want to move to the next stage? Anyway, that's me. Um Let's uh, look at the passage and see if uh, it's connected to Psalm 95. Can someone 
or a couple of people read that out for us. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Okay, so uh, Psalm 95. Um, anything kind of stand out as like unusual about this song? To anyone or is it just kind of blend in with all the other psalms i feel like the first half that i read it was like you know yay and then that other half that peter was like oh good so uh, you know uh, commentators have called it like uh maybe a, a, a dual theme right that in, in a sense, don't, doesn't actually kind of um, go well in tandem. So praise and warning, right? So uh, the, as Mary said, the first part is, I think, a, a sense of like God is to be honored and worshiped and he's so great. And then like the dark, the, 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 the cumulus clouds clear and you have these foreboding like thunderclaps and you get a reminder a warning of how the Israelites uh, rebelled against God. Okay? So uh, I think uh, in a sense, the Psalm combines um, like a hymn, but also a word, word from God. And uh, in some ways, uh, it, you know, it doesn't seem to kind of go uh, well hand in hand, but can we think of, uh, can you guys think of any Bible passage, other Bible passages uh, where, you get that similar kind of like it seems to be like an encouragement, but then suddenly there's uh, a sobriety, a, a, a kind of a heaviness that quickly um, descends. Like Psalm 23 starts off with the Lord is my shepherd, and then it descends into though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, I think that's a good one. Um, although he, you know, comes out of the shadow, right? Your your rod and your staff they comfort me, right? And he uh, kind of comes climbs back out. Whereas this one ends uh, on that kind of foreboding note. Other uh, any other passages come to mind? I guess it kind of reminds me of like Hebrews. I guess it's sort of. <laughs> seems like bounces back and forth between like this kind of talking about uh, high, you know, Christology and then, but then there's like these warning passages to interspersed, I think. I like that, Pete. 
Uh, and in fact, you know, I think it quotes that today, if you hear his voice, you know, that comes out in Hebrews as well about, about not entering his rest. So I think that that kind of, you know, kind of orients you uh, to, to that. But the, the whole book does sound a little bit like that. The ones that came to mind for me were like Matthew 16, where uh, Simon confesses that Jesus is a Christ, the son of the living God, upon this rock. It's all positive. And then when Jesus tells them that he's going to be arrested, and then Peter says, you know, no way. And Jesus basically says, Satan, get behind me. So it, it's like a like a cliff, right? You're, you're, you're like, you know, cruising along, and then suddenly there's this drop-off uh, for that. Or Luke 11, um, they are so elated that uh, the disciples have uh, performed miracles, they've uh, preached the word, they've, uh, you know, done all this uh, uh, ministry, but Jesus tells them, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but that your names are written in the book of life, kind of like a, like a dose of cold water uh, uh, for that. So uh, I, I think in terms of effect, right, um, this psalm is intended to not only kind of uh, bring us uh, to uh, uh, the uh, exaltation and the uh, uh, uplifting and just kind of the, the, the very kind of almost soaring heights, the spirit of, of celebration and joy, but in a sense, as you get closer to God, um, the, the, there is you know, uh, the, the element of our unworthiness, our, the necessary humility that as we draw near to him, we realize how unworthy and how disqualified, demerited uh, we are. Right? We did Psalm 51 last time, and uh, we talked about David's fall from grace and um, how, um, you know, the, one of the quintessential servants of the Lord, uh, a man steeped in praise and uh, a heart like uh, the shepherd, shepherd's heart, that um, in his loftiness, in his kind of uplifted moments, in his, in his uh, you know, his... Uh, openness to God, instead of realizing how dreadfully sinful he was, instead of, uh, you know, the more, the longer he served the Lord, uh, the um, conviction of how uh, broken and um, how desperately wicked our hearts are, you know, David allowed himself somehow to relax. He allowed himself to believe his own hype. And, you know, he fell big time because he was not careful. He was not humble. So I think that this kind of, again, this juxtaposition can be very helpful, can be very practical, right, in us. Even as we come before the Lord in, on Sunday, in Sunday worship together, corporate worship, you know, um, maybe the music uplifts you maybe it just kind of brings you 
into the Lord's presence. The spirit really speaks through the music and the, and the, and, and the song and the prayer is, is tremendous. And, you know, you, you feel like God is so close and, and the word, maybe it's a, a word of, of inspiration and stuff, which is all intentional, well and good, uh, you know, praise the Lord that that happens. But if we don't, through it, right, see, peer into, right, let's say, let's think of the temple, and, you know, we, we come into it, you know, lifting our hands and crying out to God and celebration and thankfulness, and you go into the, you know, the holy of holies, and there are so many ways in which the reminders and symbolism of God's greatness and his goodness, and then you enter the holy of holies, the curtain of the, the, the veil is torn, and you see the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the mercy seat, the cherubim, the blood sprinkled, and, you know, there is that kind of, like, woe is me, right? There is Peter's, depart from me, I am uh, uh, sinful, right? Isaiah, I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. This, like, tremendous conviction. Yeah. Apostle Paul, after so many years of serving God, his conclusion is, I am the worst of sinners. I'm the chief. It just, it, it has to be to, um, that we need both. We need both this sense of, like, God lifts me up right there's this like he sets my feet on a rock but the closer i the more time i spend with him the more truth um uh, drills down um and from that rock bottom from that state of conviction from the pigsty we the right we want more of god we 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 need to experience his goodness and his uh, power and his uh, miraculous touch, his loving touch. So uh, I'm just going to keep that as a, a du du dual theme uh, for us. Um, I just, uh, the way that I looked at this passage was one through five and six through 11. That this is two, two movements. Both of them um, are a charge or a call to worship, right? Both of them start out, come let us sing, come let us bow. Um, so uh, these uh, explain, I think, the uh, two large experiences in worship that is appropriate um, and needful, right? So um, I would say that the greatness of God is being extolled in one through five, right? We have themes of creation and kingship, um, supremacy. He sustains the world, right? The, the world in terms of natural power, um, ownership over nature and, and weather, right? And, and all that. So uh, to magnify God as the great king and uh, creator. I mean, there is no, nothing in the, in the created order, in the cosmos 
uh, that does not depend on him, is not subject uh, to him. So I, I, I talk about this a lot, but the greatness of God is, is the idea. And then 6 through 11 is uh, focusing on God's, you could call it greatness, right, as the uh, shepherd, as the caregiver, as the Lord over the people of Israel, right? So I would maybe uh, slightly kind of uh, sh shift uh, or kind of uh, pivot the greatness of God into uh, the goodness of God, right? And the goodness of God uh, entails his holiness, right? That God is sovereign uh, in terms of will and purpose and design and uh, morality. His purpose is perfect and his commands are to be uh, obeyed and, and followed. Right? It is for our betterment, as I talked about this past Sunday, uh, where God's goodness uh, leads to our goodness. Right? Uh, be holy because uh, I am holy. God is holy. So God's role as leader, protector, provider, uh, shepherd, uh, these seem to be the motif for the second call, right? So uh, I try to do that quite a bit when I am in worship. I, I try to keep in mind the greatness of God and the goodness of God, right? That I'm here because God is... Uh, he's, the, he's the omniscient one, right? He's the omnipotent one. He's the omnipresent one. There's nothing, nothing is impossible for God. And I marvel at all that he has done, right? <clears throat> but I also try to make sure that I focus on his personal goodness to me, right? That, which is always an act of grace. When I see not only what he has done in creation and in among the nations and in history, but that he has done in, in this vessel, in this dirty, um, ungrateful, um, impossible, impossibly incorrigible vessel that I am, the desperately wicked heart that somehow God cleanses and that God forgives and God gives me yet another chance to come before him, you know, uh, expunged um, with my sins, you know, with my, like, like the Isaiah passage, my, my unclean lips purified, singed and uh, cauterized by the, the sensors, the burning fire, the burning coals, right? That there is that kind of cleansing uh, power um, into God. And, you know, just as the passage is specific to what the Israelites did, their hardening, their lack of trust, their disobedience, their um, unbelief, their uh, you know their going astray, feeling like I know what's best uh, for me to spend time in. Uh, review and um, 
to search my heart uh, before God, right? So again, greatness and goodness, I think, is encouraged by uh, this passage. Um, apparently, in Christian history, the psalm was used, uh, as I said, as an invitatory, a psalm to summon the congregation to authentic worship. And uh, there are ways, um, I think there are, there are ways to kind of apply this um, in corporate worship and also in a uh, personal uh, one. But you know, to go in uh, both with this perspective and this attitude that God is uh, tremendous, he is uh, untouchable, he is uh, transcendent but also he's very imminent. He is here. He is waiting for my confessions. He's waiting for my, um, my repentance, my uh, honesty right? uh, and stuff. So I think, you know, uh, worship songs and messages and, and all that, um, they typically follow, you know, one of these two themes, right? Either we talk about how tremendous, how great God is and what he'll do for us, what he has done for us, how he's in charge, even though the world seems, you know, going like it's going, it's in chaotic pandemonium and, and all that, you know, we have security in God, right? Some of a lot of our praise songs, right, uh, really focus on uh, the, the awesome might of God, his ability to uh, keep things um, on that, uh, keep things move marching towards his ends and purposes, you know, or the message is about, you know, how, um, uh, how righteous, uh, and how pure, uh, how perfect, you know, God is that his, um, he never, you know, he cannot lie, right? He, everything he does is done uh, without deception. Um, he has never sinned. Um, he is the epitome of moral purity and rectitude. His righteousness is definitive. And when we stand before him when we allow his word to be a mirror to our hearts and lives right we can only you know bend the knee we can only bow the head we can only become prostrate in repentance and in uh, a plea for uh, you know, his uh, graciousness our, our worship flows uh, from a posture of, of brokenness and of, of admission and of, uh, of desperation of release. So um, I thought we'd, we could, um, you know, maybe personalize this a little bit um, by me asking this question, right? Um, which of these kind of worship experiences or worship kind of um, um, 
forms, right? Uh, and and I don't want to like suggest that these this is exhaustive and everything can fit in this, but these two general kind of uh, ways, you know, modes of worship, if you will, that I've tried to describe. Um, which one is more? Uh, it's easier for you, or which one is more like? meaningful for you which one is more familiar uh, for you which one is like or, or the you know you could take the it take the opposite angle and say which one is why is it so why don't i why isn't it easy to go the other way so you know just like some general type of responses might be like you know, some people during praise time they are like they they it just they're into it right and you dare not like nudge them and tell them to like move your seat in because they have this aura. They are focused and you know, their hearts are just being like poured out before God and, and lifting him up, which is great, right? If it's sincere and it's not just going through the motions, like you are in a special place uh, with God. Uh, maybe that's your testimony. Maybe that is something that, um, you know, really makes Sundays um, exciting or anticipatory. But maybe we're lacking and we're, we're not, we don't like, you know, I always talk about when I go to, you know, I used to go to youth retreats and, and speak where you know, the kids were like, they were gung-ho, they were passionate, enthusiastic. They were like on fire during praise. But as soon as the passage is read, they're, you know, they're asleep because right? they've either expended all their energy in that or they just don't have interest in what the word of God says. Or, you know, uh, there's maybe other reasons for it. But oh, other people like, you know, they just maybe uh, worship is more of kind of like, let me get into the word and, you know, get some teaching down and expand my knowledge of scriptures or you know, let me, you know, maybe they're really intense on the uh, message portion, right? Um, they want to hear what the speaker or the preacher or the teacher says. And all the other stuff is preliminary. They just kind of tolerate it. Like, okay, uh, March sounds good today, you know, or, you know, uh, uh, that, that prayer was, you know, uh, theologically very sound. I'm caricaturing. Right, and I don't want you guys to feel like you have to say it in that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give examples of maybe stuff that I've kind of had to work through where you don't see the praise or, or the uh, kind of the magnification of God to be your thing. And so, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, uh, you in our when I put us into sharing groups. You could talk about what you're good at and thank God for it. Or you can maybe also talk about what you're not good at and kind of offer thoughts about why, some reflection about why um, this, why Psalm 95 is not, let's say, a frequent combination in our time with God or in maybe even in our Christian lives. Okay, So, Matt, I forgot to ask, but could you put us in... Let's see, about four or five uh, breakout rooms.
about 20 minutes and we'll come back for a final song and then closing prayer. Question, how many people per room? Uh, just do four or five rooms, I think. Okay. Good. Thank you. Lord, uh, thank you for the chance to look at this interesting song, which um, I think shows us uh, how drawing close to you entails um, both this kind of expression and this uh, lifting up, putting you uh, above ourselves. Um, and it doesn't just stay there, but it brings us um, to our proper place. And that is at the foot of the cross where our rebellion, our uh, enmity was extinguished and that we were given uh, this chance to be a citizen, to be a child, to be a follower. Uh, and from it, we rise up again to praise the name of the Lord. Um, so we pray that uh, each of us can experience this personally and all of us can experience, experience it corporately. Please have mercy on us, Lord. Come, let us worship and bow down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.